The flames are stuck between a hard place and another hard place. And we're going to talk more about that on today's episode of Locked on Flames. Your Locked on Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, joined by my partner in crime, Nick Zararis. Nick, how are you doing? I'm very good. I'm excited to be back yeah. doing things as a person. You spend a weekend on vacation, and you, you it's very nice not being a person. No responsibility. Mm-hmm. Just, oh, d- dessert with every meal? Say less. Exactly. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. So make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Locked On. Unlike us who have had some time to enjoy ourselves, the Flames have been doing kind of quite the opposite of that. The game against the Flyers is about as pitiful as it gets for a good team. I mean, let's be honest here. The Flames have a handful of guys who've made all-star teams before. They have multiple guys who've hit 100 points before. They have top-tier defensive defensemen. They have a goalie who was a Vezina finalist. And to be losing to a Flyers team, which more or less waved the white flag in November, if we're being generous... To lose a game at this point in the season to a Flyers team with absolutely nothing to play for other than the fear of getting yelled at by John Tortorella is just unacceptable, to be frank with you. The the Flames are too good of a team to be losing to the garbage teams. You want to say, okay, you lose to Winnipeg, you lose to Dallas, you lose to Vegas, you lose to the Bruins, whatever. You lose to good teams, so be it. But if you're in the middle of the pack, you got to beat everybody below you. Otherwise, you're not in the middle of the pack. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know... That's what I was looking for on Monday. I was looking for them to do something that it, it didn't have to be like a 6-2 to two blowout or anything like that, but in, to fall down to nothing and then to just not be able to snag a lead and hold on to it was absolutely horrible. And you weren't even playing against Carter Hart. Yeah. Like, what is going on? So... The entire idea for this episode is centered around why the Flames are kind of stuck. And this is a perfect encapsulation of why they are stuck. They have three unrestricted free agents after this season that comprise the fourth line. Maybe one defenseman spot in the lineup, depending on what they choose to do. But by and large, this is going to be the team for the Flames next year, too, unless you subtract somebody making real money. But the only player who's making any real money that doesn't have a no-move clause, Noah Hannafin, who is an expiring contract shortly, and Andrew Mangiapane, who is a useful player, who you would not want to get rid of unless you're getting a useful player back in exchange. You know, like the insiders like to call it a hockey trade. If you can find a one-for-one trade, that makes sense, sure. But the Flames are what they are because of what they did last summer. And everybody kind of was in agreement. That group was really good last year. Maybe everything works out. Maybe everything doesn't work out. We're kind of at a point now where it seems like maybe Huberto is just too out of his comfort zone playing the way Daryl Sutter wants him to play. He's probably maybe, if everything goes right, going to hit 55-ish points. Kadri's down from over a point per game to 0.75 per game. 
that's really your your points difference right there between the team this year and last year is mm-hmm. you replaced two hundred point guys with two guys who are going to be in the sixties and maybe seventies if Kadri can pick it up here a little bit. The Flames are kind of stuck now, based on what they did last year for the excuse me last summer. They're going to be stuck with this group for the next couple of years. It's not just like next year, the year after that too, because Kadri, because Uyghur. Because Huberto, that most of these guys have no movement clauses for at least another two to three seasons. And in the case of Kadri and Huberto, it's like five or six seasons before you could even consider moving those guys. So this is an older group. It's an expensive group. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of flexibility because you don't have a lot of expiring contracts. And the players that you might consider moving because you need to shake the group up are good players. And it's going to be hard to get fair value for them. So the Flames are kind of stuck in a situation where they are now where if they don't add at the deadline, they look kind of stupid because this group is about as all in as you can get. Doing the moves you did last summer tells everybody else, we're going for it. We think we can win the Stanley Cup by maintaining the level we were on last year. And that hasn't been the case. They haven't been able to maintain that level of last year. They haven't even been able to maintain three-fourths of the level they maintained last year. They are an average NHL team. And a lot of it chalks up to guys underperforming expectations and a general malaise over the team that we've talked about all season where we've been waiting. It It's the last week of February now, and we're still waiting for somebody to light a fire under this group because there's just such an apathy every single night of, okay, we're losing. We're going to try to get back in this game, but even if we get back in the game, we're probably still going to lose. Yeah, exactly. And this just feels like a very vicious cycle that the Flames organization uh, has been in for a very long time. Uh, Back in 2019, there were talks of blowing up the core. In 2020, the same conversations happened. In 2021, you do lose Geo, and that's kind of the first domino to fall. And then Monaghan and obviously Gaudreau and Kachuk are gone. Uh, And back to, you know, kind of, where they didn't want to move those good players yeah. because they, why would you want to move a Goudreau or a Kachuk when you, those are the guys that were clearly now, hindsight's twenty twenty, putting the points up and making your team as good as they were. Yeah, they're stuck now. They have to continue burning assets to go for it in the present because there's no point in waiting. Kadri's already older than 30. Huberto's 29. The bulk of this team is in their late 20s and early 30s. Sure, you've got some interesting guys like Manjapati, like Hannafin, that are in their mid-20s, and you've got younger guys. Maybe Adube can be something a little bit more than we expected coming in. He's been better this year than most people would have expected him to be. But there's not a lot of, like, if you're looking at, like, a scale, like a range of outcomes, there's nobody in the organization that's going to reach that 90 hundred point threshold barring something outrageous and sure maybe somebody blossoms that they're not expecting maybe dustin wolf comes in as an immediately a 920 goalie uh, next year okay maybe you could talk yourself into something like that but that's an extreme outcome that is something that's not likely to happen based on everything we know we assume daryl's coming back next year we have no idea if brad's coming back next year And even right from there, that's another part of this is if everybody outside of the team is kind of like, 
This team should be playing better than it is. We can't figure out the problem. When a team's not performing up to expectations based on talent, and more or less everyone's healthy. Sure, Tanev is always hurt, but he's always playing hurt. But other than that, the Flames have largely avoided a major injury bug on the team, and they're still not performing pretty well. And that falls on the preparation, the mental preparedness, and just guys knowing what they need to do, or having the free reign to do what they're good at. And because all of those things, you know, aren't happening it's fair to put the blame on the coach not being able to get the most out of the group which leads you to the well we got to give them more because if we keep the same group nothing is going to change you might as well give them more and see if you can get lucky because like we were talking about before we started recording the west is more or less wide open this would be the year that a seven or an eight seed or one of the wild cards gets to a conference final because nobody is all that dominating sure dallas winnipeg vegas to some extent have good records but none of those teams are as intimidating as say the Bruins or the Lightning or even the Leafs in the East yeah like no one is giving the 2021-22 Colorado Avalanche effect in the West this year so yeah it really is wide open and I don't think that it's you know unfair to say that it could be anyone's game anyone's conference really so it's time for ownership and Brad Tree Living and just those two to get on the same page because we don't need any more uh, outside noise. And we're going to talk more about that next, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything else you'd like to add before we move on to that? Oh, it's just, it, 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 this is the hard place is it doesn't really make sense to subtract from the future to a team that's mediocre. But if you don't, you don't know what this upcoming summer is going to look like because the GM isn't under contract. So you can't really do long range planning. So you might as well go for it and see what happens. And yeah, you kind of have to go for it now because of what you did last summer. It all feeds into, it all feeds into one long cycle. Nothing Mm -hmm. happens for exactly one reason. The medium, short and long-term long range effects all bled into where the flames are at now, where they do need to go out and add like a a Luke Shen or a Brock Besser, or a Connor Garland, or something to this group, because the group they currently have just doesn't have it. This is now time for the Hail Mary. Yes, exactly. Like, Brad Tree Living, just, you know what, like, you you are essentially if fighting for your job right now. You are making these plays for your job. Over the summer, yeah, you were too, but especially I feel like with how this season is gone, you're just kind of like, they're not going to blame the coach. They're yes. going to blame the general manager. So, you know, just just do it. Just try to save your job, but also, like, if your job doesn't get saved... Um, it's not your problem. Yeah, that's... I mean, it saves the Flames fans some, something good to watch, I guess, <laughs> instead yeah. of perpetual mediocrity. But coming up next, we are going to talk about some changes and some of the bigger problem here within the organization. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about our uh, latest sports betting partner of FanDuel. It is now the midpoint of the NBA season, and it is time to make some fun bets to make those boring weekend games that you have no interest in, or you have all the interest in, more fun with no sweat first bet, which is your turn your chance to get up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your 
bonus or your or if your first bet doesn't hit i was able to um get one of those bonus bets because the rangers didn't hit the over in the game against the flames so i'm very grateful for that uh but it is time to start placing your no sweat first bets nick have you done any sports betting lately um, I bet the Brewer, the over in the Bruins Islander game on Saturday, which I went to, uh, that's a personal rule of thumb that all me and my friends have is if you're going to a game, you bet the over. So no matter what, you get to root for offense, which is a lot of fun. You get yeah. to root for both teams and makes going to the game even more exciting. So yeah, definitely. That was the last thing I had was Bruins Islanders on Saturday. And that was quite the entertaining game. I would oh, say. It was am- the Islanders shouldn't have even gotten off the bus. No. Uh, like, granted, granted, the Bruins are kind of a wagon. Barzell got hurt in the first period. Pretty much everything that could go wrong for the Islanders went wrong in that game. But, yeah, that that, that was a very entertaining game to watch. The Bruins are very good. They are. And, I see, it's not just my bias saying that, you guys. So, don't miss the chance for you to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. I I enjoy off-seasons. I, I do. Because it's a time for change. It's, it's just a great time to see the drama unfold within the NHL and you have insiders, you know, tweeting from this place, that place, hosting podcasts in France or wherever they may be. But then you get to look at your team and it's just kind of like, well, what are we going to do? And usually those moves are done by third week of July once, you know, the draft wraps up and I guess actually the draft will be earlier this year. So in free agencies, back on track. So yeah, by like the second, third week of July, you're kind of good to go. But the Flames don't really have too much to worry about, I would say, in terms of any big expiring contracts. No, I mean, I have their cap friendly up right here on my phone. That's what I was pulling up. Lucic is expiring as an unrestricted free agent. Walker Dewar is an RFA, and then Trevor Lewis and Brett Ritchie. Those are your uh, those are your forward free agents, and then their one restricted free agent defenseman is Connor Mackey, who won't command a lot of money. So no, the Flames don't have any big sweeping landmark decisions to make this upcoming summer because they made them all already. They <laughs> made them last summer. They set the future of the team around Kadri and Huberto, who. Yeah, Kadri has a thirteen team no he has a thirteen team no trade list starting in twenty six twenty seven. So you know three years from now, uh, Huberto has a modified no trade which goes into twelve teams starting in twenty twenty seven. Backlund has a modified no trade. Blake Coleman has a no trade until twenty twenty four twenty twenty five. Yeah, they don't have a lot they can do. I mean, I know there's the only real path out of this for the flames is either you get really lucky or you trade away somebody who's good for somebody else you hope can be good that's really the only way out of the roster construction you have right now when you have so many guys who are in their late 20s locked into long-term contracts is the one-for-one hockey trades or if you say hey we need to take a step back for a season or two the problem with that is Kadri, Huberto, 
long-term no-move clauses. It's going to be two or three years from now until you can say, okay, we need to retool this roster. We need to rework this roster. For better or worse, they're going to re-rack this team. Maybe you change one forward in the top nine next year. Maybe the spot that Peltier is playing right now, you can find somebody you like for that spot a little bit better. One guy is not going to make that much of a difference. You can't afford anybody who would make that much of a difference in one roster spot. The Flames maybe going to have $2 million, $3 million in cap space come the summer to be able to fill out the bottom half of the roster because of the raises that oh, are going to go into effect. The Kadri, not Kadri, the Huberto raise that'll go into effect this next summer and the Uyghur raise, which will go into effect after this upcoming se after this season currently being played right now. There's not a lot of flexibility here. You got to go for it now because we're going to be at this same exact point next year and having the same exact conversation. Yeah, no. And, you know, Lucha's coming off the books and everyone kind of said, like, once that contract's off the books, like, it'll be fine. Like, we'll be able to make a splash. But you already did. Yeah. And I guarantee you that he'll probably re-sign re for another... I'm probably the veteran minimum, I would say, because Daryl Sutter isn't going to just let him walk. And same with Trevor Lewis. So we, I can fully acknowledge this is flood logic. Generally speaking, if you are in the soggy middle, if you are anywhere between like 14 and 20 in the standings, I would not say to add at the deadline. The Flames, if they get in, Probably not going to have a great time playing Winnipeg, Dallas, Vegas, Seattle, whoever the one seed is. Because you're probably looking at the second, not the first wild card. Mm -hmm. I understand it's entirely flawed logic to buy on a mediocre team. You really shouldn't do it. The reason I am saying that they probably should is there really isn't any other option. I mean, they owe their first round pick to somebody. So if it's lottery, if the worst they do, they could end up doing something interesting here. They probably end up trading that first round pick this year and trying to lottery protect it in case things don't work out well. That's what I was trying to say before in that really bad sentence that didn't make any sense. It took me a minute to process what I was trying to say. The Flames don't have a ton of great assets. They're not going to trade Dustin Wolf. Maybe you could get like a fifth or a sixth round pick for Matt Phillips, but not a proven entity at the NHL level. You're not going to trade Peltier because he's got all of 10 games of NHL experience and he's still really early on in his development. You're going to probably trade your first round pick. You're going to trade draft picks, probably. You've got a few extra picks from a trade you did over the summer. That's great and all. But they need to figure out, if we're going to go for it, what makes the most sense. Everybody has been, I feel like nine teams have been link, linked to Luke Chen. Everybody needs a defenseman. Yeah. Everybody will always need defensemen. Even if you're a good team that has six defensemen, you need seven for a playoff run because one of your defensemen is going to get hurt. That's just right. the way the playoffs work. It's grueling. It's taxing. The defensemen get age and dog years in the playoffs. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. No. And especially, you know, with Michael Stone going on IR yeah. and Luke Shen being scratched and then flying home like everyone was like oh, it's time he's coming to calgary and then like no his wife is very very pregnant and probably had their child last night um but no like it doesn't make sense for the flames to at least try to upgrade that third pair to just give it give it some oomph it needs something you're not going to have the success that you had with 
Zadorov and Goodbranson again. You're just, you're not, unless you make some moves because Michael Stone is not going to be playing like Eric Goodbranson. Really wild sentence considering how bad Eric Goodbranson's been in Columbus this year. I don't know what they did last year to get great play out of him and Zadorov, but whatever it did, whatever that was, they need to write that down because Goodbranson's been on like seven teams and that was the best he's ever played in yeah. his life. And that's the only reason he got that $4 million contract. And right? he's tall. He tall. Yeah, he's tall. Yeah, he's tall. He's he's, good he's handsome. He's yeah, tall and like, handsome. He's yeah, probably he, friends with Johnny. And Johnny was like, can you guys take care of my boy? And they were like, yeah, well, sure. No. We can do. I guess that like good Branson signing there kind of encouraged Johnny to go because yeah. their wives are best friends. Yeah. Well, Plausible. It, that's fine. You know what? They're both good human beings they're all good humans but like what's so frustrating is that this team you have players playing out of their normal element and you don't know if you know a luke shen is going to come in here and play well under daryl sutter and because he's 33 years old you can't really teach old dogs new tricks it's hard. It's really hard to get up to speed. You typically see it, and this is why I've always been an advocate. The team that lands the biggest piece at the deadline basically never wins the Stanley Cup. It's always the team that adds the depth forward, the extra defensemen. Those are typically the teams that end up doing well. Because when you add a major piece to a team and only have like a month to get them up to speed, it's not enough time for them to figure out what they need to do in that given role. Like Ryan O'Reilly had a great game last night for the Leafs. They played really well. But Ryan O'Reilly's probably not the biggest fish to be moved. Timo Meyer will be whenever that eventually does happen. I know I saw the other day that they're waiting till after, I think they're doing Marlowe's jersey retirement, and I, th- I want to say the 25th, and they're waiting till after that to trade him so it doesn't upstage the moment, which I think is pretty stupid in all honesty like it doesn't really matter like uh, you're gonna sell out your building that's great but it's not like there's gonna be a live look in on any of the american television networks at the jersey retirement and everyone will be talking about well it doesn't really matter because timo buyer no everybody will give patrick marlowe his flowers whatever it doesn't really matter just trade the guy already and get this going i'm so tired of reading the same six tweets I've been reading the same six tweets about Timo Meyer and the Devils for four months now. I am I tired. But we did have St. Louis yes. come in on the sweepstakes. Thank God. Uh, and they have three first round picks this summer. Yeah. So you know what? I I don't care if he stays in the West. Like I said, like we've said this whole show, the West is not good enough to like fear for anything. And St. Louis is in a very weird spot, but I cannot have him going to New Jersey for my own selfish reasons. The same way I couldn't have Gaudreau going to Jersey for my own selfish reasons. The Devils worry me as a Ranger fan to play them in the first round, but I don't think the Devils are... You got to lose in the playoffs. That's part of the development of being a good team. Uh, Even if they beat the Rangers in the first round, which is looking like that would be the first round series, it's like 50-something percent chance of that being the first round series. And then it drops down dramatically to Carolina. And then I want to say Washington as the third team. But... The Devils don't really worry me as far as a deep playoff run because their goaltending is still kind of inconsistent at best. Like, Vanacek has been largely fine this year, but Vanacek's never 
started a playoff series yeah. that actually like actually was going to matter whether or not he played well. Like, sure, he got in playoff games for Washington. The last couple of years he was in Washington, but Washington wasn't going anywhere. Whereas the Devils, if they add a Timo Meyer, you would expect the Devils to go, you know, a solid two rounds. But yeah. I just don't see it for a Devils team that's really young and early on in their cycle as a team. No. And like you said, it's all about losing. You have to learn how to lose. And I feel like the Devils have done enough regular season losing. Yes. And now it's their turn to get in on the uh, playoff losing, which, I mean, the Flames did last season. And, you know, it does build a little character. You need the gut-wrenching loss to build character. There's the only way. Yeah. You you needed that game five overtime Connor McDavid goal in order to kind of to like haunt your dreams in order yeah. to make you a better player. And Noah Hannafin, I'm looking at you because that was partially your fault. And I would blame Gaudreau, but he is no longer on this team. So coming up next, we are going to talk some more about some changes and just the wonderful summer ahead of the Flames here on Lockdown Flames. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if the Flames did something new with their fourth line? Sure. Uh, It's not the biggest problem. Mm -hmm. You can split hairs about the fourth line if you think your team can win the Stanley Cup within the realm of possibility. Like, sure, the Flames could win the Stanley Cup, but that's like, you know... 2% 2% chance, 1% A lot of things chance. have to go wrong. Yes, exactly. A lot of things or have right to go wrong. right for the Flames. Right for the Flames, wrong for a lot of other teams. You split hairs about the fourth line when you're a Stanley Cup contender. Mm-hmm. The Flames got to worry about, can they get more out of Huberto? Can they get more out of Kadri? Can they get Manjapani going? They have so many things to worry about in the direction of their team before you get to the fourth line. If the f- top nine is playing well, then we can split hairs about the fourth line. But I, right now, there are too many other issues for the Flames is at large for me to be that worried about the fourth line. Trevor Lewis is fine. On a good team, That you'd like the fourth line to be better, but realistically, him, Lucic, and whoever else you want to throw in the mix, whether it's Rizicko, whatever, it, or uh, Nick Ritchie, it's fine, but it doesn't really matter here. I mean, the Flames aren't... If the Flames get into a first-round playoff series, you're not getting... You're not getting enough goals from the bottom six to win you a series, so <laughs> there's no point in complaining about the fourth line. If you're complaining about the fourth line losing you a playoff series, you probably were either in the Stanley Cup final and the other team's fourth line was really good, or your top six didn't show up and you scored like seven goals in five games. That sounds very familiar. But uh, no, I I just I want to see a change there, and I want to see – I mean, I want to see a lot of changes – And I can't get picky here, but I think, you know, prioritizing these changes in terms of getting the most out of your most expensive guys is a fair assessment, obviously. And it comes from them being in different environments and not playing in a Daryl Sutter system. But are are you really going to kind of give them a hard time their first year coming into this after, you know... I, I think a lot of people are willing to give Huberto and Uyghur kind of the benefit of the doubt because of the huge change of scenery, the huge change in coaching. And Kadri, I mean, he's he's played in Canada before, so he knows what Canada's like. But 
how are you going to get more out of these expensive players? It's the if biggest question. It, it is the biggest question about this team and why we I am taking the position they got to add more to the group because you can't just keep the same thing that's not working. I, I mean, you saw what Alan Walsh, everybody's favorite poster, had to say about it last week when the Flames lost. Uh, ideally, yeah, you just change the coach. You get in a more offense-first guy. You try and get Andrew Brunette from the Devils. You, I can't even – Barry wouldn't really solve the problem. The Eggman wouldn't solve the issue. The Eggman! If you wanted to get Bruce in here, sure, he would get the offense going. I mean, the defense would probably take a hit. But if your biggest issue is offense and getting more out of your offense first, guys, you need an offense first head coach. And that's not what Daryl Sutter is. No, it's not. And I think in any organization outside of the Flames, they would realize that. And they'd realize that, hey, this is part of, like, actually the problem. Uh, but because, again, we've talked about the favoritism and the close relationship between the owner and Sutter, and it's just, it's not going to happen. And no. they signed Sutter to that three-year extension before the season even started. And I I can't imagine playing this type of hockey for the next three years. No, they're walking on eggshells right now. Nobody wants to make a mistake. They play extremely tight. They have a general sense of everybody looking at each other like, all right, who's going to make a play? Who's going to make a play? And they do that for three periods, and no one ever ends up making a play. It's the oldest cliche. Uh, It's easier to get rid of the coach than it is to get rid of 20 players. It's true. Uh, the, the the New York Post and Daily News columnists who've been making that statement about the Yankee manager for the last, like, 40 years are, are right. It's easy to get rid of one guy as opposed to 20, especially considering that guy doesn't have a no-trade clause and isn't making that much money. Yeah, in an ideal world, after this season, you say, Daryl, we're still going to pay you. Go back to the farm. Thanks for everything. That's great. We need a coach in here who's going to be able to get more out of the guys we have because you can't get rid of the guys you have. Like we were saying in the last segment, you can't get rid of Huberto, you can't get rid of Kadri, you can't get rid of Weger. The only moderately expensive guys you could trade are Hannafin and Manjapani, and neither of those guys is going to net you a 70, 80-point forward. They're just not, unless it's somebody who's in the last year of a contract or somebody who's older and maybe won't be able to maintain that level of play going forward. They got to get creative here. They need more at forward. They arguably need another defenseman. They need to fix their goaltending. They have so many things they need to fix. And you can't fix all of this at once. And it is a matter of prioritizing. Realistically, I think they probably do go after a defenseman because they don't like having that last spot be so up up in the air, whether it be Connor Mackey or someone else filling in until Michael Stone can come back. They need to figure that out. And they need another forward because the Flames' biggest issue at at five on five is they don't score enough. They are a volume shooting team that doesn't put the puck in the net enough, and there's not really anybody out there that really is all that enticing. You talk about a Connor Garland who hasn't been that very good in Vancouver, Brock Besser who still has a good shot, but his skating isn't what it was because he had that major back injury. Mm-hmm. You could talk maybe. Ivan Barbashev, but he's not a goal scorer. He's just another plucky uh, ilk. Uh, he's another guy of the Manjapani ilk, of a volume impact, forechecking yeah. type guy who's shooting, who's hot shooting that to start off the season has cooled off considerably. There's no slam dunk ads. There's no slam dunk subtractions. 
it is about as difficult as it gets because there is no solution out of this beyond saying this isn't working. That's really all we can do at this time because they don't have the flexibility to add anyone major. No impact players reach free agency. They don't have the cap space to add an expensive player because the guys they do have are getting paid a lot of money. And the guys who are getting paid a lot of money, they can't get rid of until like three or four years from now. It's just a really bad spot to be in. It's as hard a place as you can be. You don't want to be in the middle. The mediocrity is the worst place to be. You either want to be a cup contender or a lottery team. You don't want to be in the middle. You don't no. want to be the last team in the playoffs. No, you don't. And I just, this can't keep happening. I think that a lot, I mean, regardless, people are going to watch the Flames. It's not like this is a pilot series and, oh my God, like two bad episodes in a row and people are fizzling out. This is obviously something that Calgary Flame, Flames fans are very familiar with. But once again, like, I just, the animosity towards Daryl Sutter just feels very, very uh, warranted. Even as bad as Vancouver was, Bruce did not get this. He no. was probably the most beloved coach at the time of his firing in NHL history. I... I don't know. I just, I think that this is just a very, it's like when you have an older car and you're in college and like your brakes are going and like your windshield is like maybe cracked and it's not covered by insurance and you have a tail light out, you need four new tires. Like you have to prioritize. Do you want to be able to stop or do you want to just have to pull the e-brake? You, you don't want to do that. So you have to prioritize the biggest issues. Yeah. And you're not at a position where you can finance a new car. So right now, the Flames are kind of having to prioritize, okay, like the brakes, four new tires, you know, what's what's kind of, or both at the same time, like terms of coaching. And then you can't really take a look at Huberto and Kadri and Uyghur until you're able to finance a car three or four years down the road. Yeah, the Flames are probably stuck in this soggy middle unless they can dramatically improve the results of the guys they already have. And there's only one solution to that, and I think we're all on the same page with that. Um, you know, when Jeff Ward was the coach, everyone was saying a coach can only, you know, or a player can only do so much, and if you're not doing what the coach wants and you're walking on eggshells, you're not going to have a successful season. There's too much anxiety. There's too much going on in order for you to even try to really break out of the funk. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Probably not going to go well. No. In all honesty, it's probably not going to go well. The, no. It, it, the, the, the intro for this show was a hard place and a hard place because there are no, there's no good decision to make here. No matter what, you're either messing up your future because you're trying to fix what you can't fix right now, or you stand pat and say, they're going to figure it out. And if they don't figure it out, the GM probably goes. The GM probably goes either way, in all honesty. Yeah. And we're stuck in, again, the Flames are stuck at the moment. Yeah, and then do they promote Daryl Sutter? I mean, yes, probably. And then who do they bring in as a head coach? That's that's the other issue there. Yeah. So. You know, it's just kind of uh, really riding out these last few months. 
uh, hoping you can get a wild card, that second wild card spot, and hoping that someone just tells Daryl Sutter to go back to the farm, but that's not going to happen. So we'll be here talking about all of your frustrations on Lockdown Flames. Nick, you're back tomorrow too. We have a back-to-back. I think the Flames are back tonight. Um, yeah. Or, yeah, I don't know. I I have it in my calendar, but I don't know. Uh, 9.30, so 7.30 against the – oh, they're in Arizona. Yeah, Great. that's right. Yeah. Good. I'm sure uh, getting blown out here in Mullet Arena will do them some good, build some character. Um you know, back-to-back losses against lottery teams. Love to see it. But um, thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us. As always, please subscribe to the show. Make sure you're following uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Come hang out with us in the comment section. And it's free to leave a five-star rating on iTunes as well as Spotify and a nice little review wherever you can. And you can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Flames Pod. You can follow me at Jess Bomasto and Nick at Nick Zeraris. Do you have anything you'd like to add before we wrap up this venting session? Please beat the Coyotes. <laughs> Please? You heard, you heard it here first. Please. We are on our knees begging for... Just we don't have a humiliation kink. The flames might. So just don't humiliate us. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>